This podcast is proudly brought to you by Sky Racing and Ingress, number one in its field. Brisbane trainer Kelly Schweder is enjoying one of his most successful seasons currently with some 49 winners on all tracks and 30 in the metropolitan area. Just a few weeks ago, his classy two-year-old, the Odyssey, led all the way to win the half-million-dollar Aquas two-year-old duel at the Gold Coast, making it four from seven. Last November, Kelly had his best-ever result on a single day in town when he won four races on a Doombin program, Pocket Pistol, Gala Miss, Desert Man and Double Superlative. And James Orman rode all four. Meet Mr Taylor has been a great ambassador for the Swedish stable of late. He won five straight races. Kelly began his racing life as an apprentice jockey at Townsville and enjoyed a brief and successful riding career which yielded him 150 winners and three Townsville Apprentices Premierships before turning to training. I ran into Kel the other day at the Big Wheatwood Handicap meeting at Toowoomba and I quickly nailed him for a podcast. Good to talk to you, Kelly. Morning, John. Been a good season so far. Do you think this is your best? Yeah, look, I, I probably think it is. You know, I, we're only uh, into April. Yeah, I would have to say it's my best season so far. The highlight, I imagine, was the Aquas Duel the other day with the Odyssey on a heavy track. Did that present any pre-race worries, the heavy track? Yeah, like it certainly did. Uh, I knew he'd handle the wet, but it was beginning to become ridiculous. You know, just before the race, mm. it was pouring rain, and and uh, on paper, I thought he'd win, um, especially when he come up with one barrier. Mm. But then you know what it's like on heavy tracks. Uh, the one alley sort of become an outside barrier, I suppose. So yeah, I was getting a bit worried, and and um. Especially when after the race, the, the starter told me that um, as he jumped, he rocked forward and stood on his plate, and the plate went flying in the air. So oh, um, gosh. he probably done a, probably done a good job to win. Mm. Well, he had a heavy track in the duel, but he had the opposite problem in the Magic Millions, didn't he? Early in the year on a very fast track, and you felt I think he might have been feeling his shins on that hard track. Yeah, look, I, I don't know whether he, you know, he might have just had enough too, John. Um, he'd been in work a long time, and especially with babies, you just sort of you never know whether you've gone one too many runs or not. Um, but um, yeah, look, um, he was probably well deserving of a break. But all his runs have been good, and that's probably his worst run. Is he still in the paddock, Kel? No, look, he, he just he'd only had the two runs, um, so we just give him two two weeks out in the, one of the owners' little grass paddock. Because even though he didn't show any signs of any issues, I'm sure his muscles would have been sore that day. Mm. I think I think they ran home the last six hundred and thirty nine something, so that just gives you an idea of heavy it was. Yeah. Okay, so he's in work, and you're just taking your time now. Have you picked out anything over the carnival? Oh, look. There's not a lot of uh, races for sprinters over our carnival. They more concentrate for two-year-olds. They more concentrate on the um, on the mile group ones, you know. So there are a couple of races. I I sort of don't want to tax him too too much because um, he hasn't had a lot of starts, but he hasn't had a, a, a big break neither. So we're just giving yeah. the one two runs and then stop. So yeah. he'll probably only have one or two runs. John, there's a Dallarello, a thousand meters, I think it is, and. There might be the Champagne Classic 1200, but 
Mm. I'll just let him tell me and then he'll probably have another little break. Kel, is he, how far is he going to go? You're pretty excited about him, aren't you? Yeah, well, he's, yeah, he, he's a, I think two starts ago, he ran home in 33-4, I think, and then the other day on a heavy track, you know, he, he can handle wet or dry. He's got good gate speed to get, you know, they're, they're pretty handy, those sprinters, they can get out and get out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Hard to say, John, but look, he, he does everything that you ask of him so far, you know. We're yeah. probably not racing the A grades at the moment, but um, certainly over Carnival we, we will. So pretty excited about him, especially that he can handle wet or dry, which is pretty important to a racehorse, I think, nowadays. Mm. Well, he's by the brilliant young sire, Better Than Ready, who now stands at the Lindhurst Stud in Queensland. You trained him, Kelly, Better Than Ready. He won eight from 16 and not far short of half a million dollars. He won three listed races. Did you bring him to Sydney once? Yes, he... Um um, I bought him and he won there, Brian Crowley, and he broke mm. Northern Media's track record. So yeah. that was a bit of a buzz. Yeah. To, did, to hold the Randwick track record. Did he strike you as a sire type? I've, yeah, look, he, he's always been a, he was always a pretty boy. Um, he ran third in a group one. I, I, I really think he would have won a group one. It's easy for me to say that now. Um, but I probably, after I won the Brian Crowley, I should have took him to Melbourne for the for the Kilmore, I think. Mm. But anyway, I didn't. I thought I'd probably look after him. And then his first start in a race, he was, I think he was $21 into $2.50. And just as he jumped out of the ga- gates, he too pulled the plate off and ripped half his foot away. Mm. And it played him sort of catch up for the rest of his life, really. Mm. And... Um, then he eventually bowed attendant, but look, he was he he was a pretty boy. Um, picked him up in New South in, in the English sales in um, Sydney. Got a thrill out of breaking him in and racing him right through, and mm-hmm. and doing the same. I was the first one to train um, um, one of his sons to win a race and, and a list mm-hmm. race. So I got a real buzz out of that, John. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he's a way to a flying start, isn't he? He's. Uh, his progeny are keenly sought after now at the sales. Yeah, yeah, and they all, most of them look like him too. So he mm. really, really throws to the stallion. So um, pleased for the boys at Lindhurst. They're um, good, good stout Queenslanders, and they've always had a good side. You must have been tickled pink the day you scored the four wins at Doomben last November. Uh, I mentioned the names of the horses: uh, Pocket Pistol, Gala Miss, Desert Man, and Double Superlative. Uh, one of those horses had to overcome a pretty serious injury, Kelly. Desert Man, was it? Yeah, yeah. He he he'd done a lot of a lot of issues. Um, he had suspensory trouble, and then I had him here at home, and um, um, he put his foot over the gate and got locked between the chain and the post. If I could explain it well enough, mm. pulled his foot back, and his foot squashed like a marshmallow. John, I never mm. said I, I didn't think he'd ever race again. Mm. And uh, my wife looked after him for a long time, and um, nearly his whole hoof sort of dropped off and then regrew. So, mm. yeah, he he'd had a lot of issues. Just one of them horses that always gets into trouble. Yeah. Um, but no, really, really good buzz to win it, and um, to have four winners at a metropolitan meeting, it's um, quite a buzz. Where is Desert Man Kelly? Will he race uh, again? 
He's in pre-training now, John. He's oh, that's had good. three or four weeks up on the, at Washpool Lodge. Um, they have a water walker and treadmill. He does a lot of work up there. Now, James Orman rode all four of those winners for you, a young jockey who has emerged in the last 12 or 18 months as one of Queensland's best. Yes, he's he's a hard-working young lad and um, he rides good. He, he you know, he, he listens and... Um, you know, he makes a few mistakes like we all do, but he, he tries to better himself. Mm. Uh, fairly tall, young lad, and he, and he does it a little bit tough, but he's sort of levelling out, and, um, you know, it was a really good thrill, not only for me, but for him too. Now, meet Mr Taylor. is a very consistent racehorse. He's already won five from six, five on the trot for a big group of owners. Now, he had a blow, yeah, yeah. He's, and he's had a trial recently, hasn't he? Yes, I was going to go to Toowoomba um, for that meeting, and he drew a bit awkward. And he's a little—he's a funny horse. He's—he's he's a very timid horse. Um, so Toowoomba track can be a bit tricky. So he—he'll resume again uh, next Saturday at Doomben in a one metro eleven hundred. But uh, quite an exciting horse. He—he he, he holds the Eagle Farm track record. Not that it's been open that long from that no. start, but still, you know, he must be able to do something. Yes, yeah. Well, he was ridden in four of those five wins by a jockey who's also making his presence felt in Brisbane, Mark Duplessis, who was born in Zimbabwe. He rode in New Zealand for quite some time, Kel, and he won 24 Group 1s in New Zealand. Everybody's giving him a rap. Yeah, he's a natural lightweight, rides work. Um, he, you know, he's been sort of all around the world, really, Mark, and... Um, mm. I hope he, I hope he, I hope he continues to stay here, which uh, you know he seems to be cemented now, and um, he's riding, he's riding really good. You've done a little bit of work over recent years for Jerry Harvey, pre-training horses in the main, but a couple of weeks back you actually trained your first race winner for Jerry, one of Australia's biggest racehorse owners. Philly was called yeah. Flower of Love, and hey, was it a win? Yeah, what was the margin? Uh, Nine lengths at one by Durban. So that was my first runner for Jerry and first winner. So we've kicked off all right. I hope we continue. But, um, mm. yes, yeah, certainly a legend of racing, uh, Jerry. I've had a few uh, yearlings I've got ready for their uh, ready-to-run sales for him, but that was my uh, first runner and first winner. Yeah, good on you. Dark Town Strutter. Kelly is a consistent mayor. She hasn't won in town yet, but there's a good reason for that. Yeah. Well, Eagle Farm's been sort of shut, and, and I don't know. I just don't think she likes Dooman. a bit like old Chief De Beers. He won mm. 19 races, I think, all at Dooman and none at Eagle Farm. But yeah. she can certainly run. She's run some really quick um, races at the Gold Coast Ipswich. I think she's won seven. So any horse that wins seven goes all right. She'll resume in the um, Bat Out of Hell, John, in a couple of weeks at the Gold Coast over 900. That'll be a strong race. Um, I took her to Sydney not long ago and engaged that jockey, Hugh Bowman. Mm-hmm. And um, and on the day of the races, um, she had a uh, stone, uh, like an ap- foot abscess, so we had to scratch her and bring her home. So um, it would have been uh, good to get Hugh uh, Bowman on her at, um, mm-hmm. I think it was Warwick Farm or Rose Hill, over a 1,000. Mm. Well, Kelly Sweeter, we'll find out how your racing life began after this break. The 2019 English-Australian Easter Yearling Sale was the second best ever conducted. 
Well over $122 million was traded over two days with 19 lots realising a million or more. 75 lots sold for $500,000 or more, up from 72 last year. Seven stallions recorded the highest ever individual sale price, including Schnitzel 2.8 million, Exceed and Excel 1.7 million, Lonro 1.4 million, Brazen Bow 1.1. The day one trade of almost 64 million was a Southern Hemisphere record for an individual day's yearling sale turnover. It was a huge two days at beautiful Riverside in front of an energetic buying bench from all corners of the globe. And my special guest is Queensland trainer Kelly Sweeter. In 1972, you became an apprentice jockey with a Townsville trainer called Les McClellan, who had a very big influence on your life, Kel, didn't he? Oh, they certainly did. Him and his wife, Mr McClellan, they were... Yeah, they were, they were not only my boss, but they were like family and they treated me like one of their own. Stable life was pretty tough 45 years ago. Oh, it certainly was. It's not like it is today. You know, we um, sort of worked seven days a week and um, if you got half a day off on a Sunday once a month, you were going well. Mm. Um, you had to ask permission to even go to the shop. Little things, you weren't allowed to ride motorbikes. You know, we were 15, 16 as you'd get hurt. Um, so it was pretty tough, but um, it was good. You weren't allowed to smoke or anything like that neither, so they were pretty strict, but they were very fair. When you won your very first race on the mare called Rocky Girl, you weighed 5 stone 11, or 37 kilos. Yeah, 37 and a half kilos. I know, it was only tiny. <laughs> um, I wish I was that way again, but I, I kept the photos. No one believes me when I say that, so I kept the photos to show them. So, yeah, I've, uh, I've seen some of the photos. You were a yeah, squirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it's, uh, they were the good old days. There was a young trainer based at Cairns in the early 1970s who would often race his horses at Townsville. You must be very proud of the fact that you rode winners for Brian Mayfield-Smith. Yeah, he used to come to Townsville and stay in a little old caravan on the track there, and uh, what a legend he turned out to be. Well, he unseated Tommy Smith after 33 years as king of the Sydney trainers, and then he finished up winning three Sydney premierships. He did a terrific job. Yeah, he was uh, an old school, good horseman, yeah, and a uh, super trainer. At 18 years of age, Kel, and this is an unpleasant memory, you were involved in a car accident which could easily have claimed your life. Now, you were in Innisfail to ride a horse in the Innisfail Cup. You got a call from a trainer friend asking you to drive one hour to Cairns to ride a horse in a track gallop. On the way to Cairns, you fell asleep at the wheel. Yeah, I... um. I was there to ride a horse in the Innisfail Cup and, and I was going up to ride track work uh, the day before and get up early and ride work and then go back to Innisfail Cup and I, mm. I was only young and um, I just had one of those micro sleeps. Uh, I had a brand new Mazda 808 coupe, mm. I had 5,200 for it and um, yeah, I just had a micro sleep. It just happened to be on a point of a corner and I woke up 
and hit the brakes. Worst thing I could have done and flipped the car probably for five or six times. Mm. And my arm fell out the window and crushed it. And it ended up behind my back hanging by just a little bit of meat. Yeah. And doctors were fearful that you were going to keep that arm. Um, I think I was more fearful. Yeah. Um, you know, I when you when you just sort of they put you unconscious, you don't know whether you're going to wake up without an arm. Because I remember in the bed next to me, mm. um, a young fellow woke up screaming, and he looked down and and he'd be on a motorbike, and he hit one of them old steel post guy posts and took the bottom of his leg off. So mm. I was lucky to see plaster on my my arm. Mm. And to rub salt into the wounds, Kel, the horse you were to ride in the Innisfail Cup, Nippalong, won, won the yeah. race. That's how it goes. <laughs> Did you ride again after that? Yeah, I, I was a year in. I was a year in plaster with a broken arm. It was after six months they had to re-break it and put um, a plate in it and six screws. So mm. yeah, I was always tall and thin, John, and yeah, I did come back and rode for a year or two. Mm. But it was pretty tough. And how was the arm on that comeback? Yeah, look, it wasn't too bad. And not long after I come back, I had a fall in Townsville. And mm. I thought, Here we go again. But um, I got out of that unscathed. But, um, mm. yeah, look, the arm's probably pretty ugly to look at, but it's never really worried. Your training career started in Townsville. And by now, you were married to Vera. You had two small daughters you trained a small team of horses before dawn and then you'd go to work as a storeman for the Department of Defence. How long did that last? About 11 years, John. Good heavens, did it? Yeah, 11 years. Yeah, no, there was uh, not much spare time, but, um, yeah, no, it was, I had a good job. They were pretty good to me, mm. um, especially working horses, had apprentices, married two kids, job, yeah. Mm. All that, so they were pretty hectic times, as as you know, everyone that's kicking off sort of can understand. Yeah. Everyone's got two jobs. Yep, you get back what you put in, don't you? Yeah, you certainly do. You trained in Townsville for thirteen years, and thankfully, right at the end, you won the local premiership. It was a long time coming, but very satisfying. Yeah, it certainly was. We sort of went full-time by then. We'd only sort of been part-time, but the, the last 12 months, um, yeah, it was really good. We, we got some good horses and we won everything, so it was, a, mm. it was re- very re- rewarding. One of those good horses was Harvey's Gold. Now, you won nine races with him, including the Townsville Cup. Yeah, it was um, great mate of mine still to this day. Uh, Alan West uh, trained it for him and... Um, it was really good. We'd had a lot of horses and, and great to win a Townsville Cup for him. Mm. Easy Dancer was a prolific winner, Kelly. You had some fun with him. Yeah, he was a good good little horse, that fellow, good sprinter. I um, I won the Cleveland Bay up there, which is our big sprint, and then we brought him down here and um, Vera had won on him down here. And um, so, yeah, no, he was a great little sprinter. You still speak very highly of a horse called Inside Edge. He won six straight at one stage. He ran third in the BATC sprint behind Cohort and Chief De Beers. And he was second reserve in the Stradbroke one year with 48 kilos. And you were praying for a run. Yeah, look, I still think he's the best horse I've ever trained. Yeah, I've heard you say that. 
I won a couple of group ones, but I think he's the best horse I've ever trained. That day that he ran third to Chief De Beers and, and cohort, he got mm. beat a nose and a nose, I think, and they called him the winner mm. And because um, he just picked his head up. And I think um, the horse that ran fifth was Roosland in that same race. Yeah. And I met them all about four or five kilos better in the Stradbroke two weeks later when he was second mm. emergency. And I think Roosland won the Stradbroke that year. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, look, and he drew the one alley and he was flying. So, yeah, look, he was a very gorgeous horse to look at and a very untapped tapped horse. Yes, yeah. Did the first emergency get a run, do you recall? Look, I, look, I don't – I can't remember, John. No. I can't remember. Um, I'm not sure. Mm. You know the second emergency didn't get a run. That's, no. that's one no. thing you haven't forgotten. Uh, now, no. Kel, at this time of proceedings – you would sneak to Brisbane every now and again with a horse or two. You must have been testing the water to some degree. Oh, for sure, John. We were, I was testing the water. Um, we'd come down when it would get very hot in Townsville and we'd come down for a month and just, and just you know, see whether what it was like. And um, I had a young family and, and just see how we thought we'd go. And the horses performed very well, so... Um, it ended up working all right. I did that for probably one or two years prior to coming here. Mm. Pretty intimidating thing, though, I imagine, when you move to Brisbane, like you've, you've come from Townsville t- to the Big Smoke uh, with a small team of horses. I, I, I guess you only brought the ones that you felt were certain to be competitive. Yeah, for sure. You know, it was certainly the, uh, you know, I ended up that sort of, big fish in a little pond in town one you know that same time i was a little fish in a great great big pond down here mm-hmm. it was certainly different to anything i was used to but the horses that we brought down were, were very competitive i think um mm-hmm. we, we brought down horses like mr chevalier i think he might won five in a row and, mm-hmm. and um inside edge and so we struck yep. we struck well um brought tranquil love down here my wife wrote it and i think he broke a Eagle yeah. Farm course record. So, mm. so, so we kicked off running. Now, Kelvira had always been a very valuable asset as a track work rider, but she dropped a bombshell in the early 1990s when mm. she suddenly announced she wanted to ride in races all of a sudden. She'd been riding work for years, but she'd never hinted that she wanted to be a race jockey. No, no, that was certainly a, a bomb and... and <laughs> I didn't have a lot of control over it. I was, um, I think Vera might have been 28, 29, yeah. she wanted to be an apprentice, and that's pretty old. Mm. You know, you're, you're used to 15-year-olds being an apprentice when I was a kid. Yeah. And um, it was certainly unusual, but her theory behind that was the kids were at an age where mm. where if something happened to her, I could sort of, they, they'd survive, you know, without her. Mm. They were sort of getting up an age about 10 or whatever, I can't remember, but, yeah, um, yeah, and she was always light, skinny mm. little bugger, and, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, well, you know, there wasn't, wasn't much I could say about it, the more I said no, no. the more she bit pig-headed she wanted to be, and um, mm. yeah, no, ended up doing Well, her subsequent performance justified her decision because she rode 80 winners. Yeah, no, she went good and had some nice winners in town here. I remember beating Mickey Dippman one day. She got a real thrill out of that. So oh, you um, tell me she still dines out on that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I reckon. 
and and as she rode that horse when it won uh, Tranquil Love when it broke uh, the, the old Eagle Farm track record, and those mm. you know they were sort of held by pretty horse handy horses. So yeah, yeah she got a buzz out of that. Now Kelly Vera is noted for making shock announcements. She made another one about fifteen years ago, and this one really set you back on your heels when she told you your third daughter was on the way. <laughs> Samantha, the baby certainly, of the family. Certainly did, John. She she said she wanted to have another go at having a boy. <laughs> she got too old and anyway, you know, we got another girl. And um, as I look now, they're both down picking up horse shit in the paddock <laughs> and back. They're looking after their ponies or ex race horses. Mm. And um yeah, no, no, it's, it was a real real buzz and, and to be fair, I'd had more time with this child than I did the first two. I felt mm. that's probably my only regret in life. Yeah. That um I just I had two jobs like everyone else kicking off. Yeah. I didn't have much spare time for him, you know, so I tried to do mm. a lot more with this one. Yeah, good on you, mate. Now, Kel, I want to get off racing for a moment. This is a fascinating part of your career and your life, really. In the year 2000, you were suddenly aware that you were facing some sort of an emotional upheaval. You felt absolutely flat after 30 years in the racing game and you knew in your heart that if you didn't take a break, it could result in uh, all sorts of emotional problems. And it was your wife, Vera who found the solution. She enlisted the help of her brother, who was an established barramundi fisherman in the Gulf country, and you told me once that it was the most enlightening few months of your life. Yeah, look, I thought, you know, it's very hard to have a break out of racing, so you just can't say, oh, I'm going to have a month off and have all your horses there because the phone never stops and then it goes on and on and it's not fair. So mm. I thought... I'm just going to have a break away from this racing. I didn't know how long, so um, I just held all my own as I was going to have a break. And I wasn't, I couldn't say I was going to have a month or two months, so I didn't know. <clears throat> and my wife said, Well, why don't we go up to my brothers? She's always told me about the barramundi fishing that her family's been in her whole life mm. up in the Gulf. And I thought, Yeah, this sounds easy. So, so oh, we sort of packed up everything and went to the Gulf. Mm. Well, you lived in an, an open-sided hut which had weld mesh panels in place to keep out the wild pigs and the crocodiles. How did you yeah. sleep at night? Uh, I was terrified the whole time I was there, John. Mm. I thought, you know, when we went up there, I'd have – I had Reebok shoes, sunglasses, and I thought just, you know, be a little fishing rod and a little dinghy, you know. Well, certainly, the, as I was getting there, we went – we flew into Edward River Mission, I think. That's up in the Gulf. Um, they picked us up in a in a dinghy. I lost my shoe in the mud. My sunglasses fell off. <laughs> we were four hours in a dinghy to go to where the uh, I think it was the Holleroy River. Mm. Um, and um, lo and behold, when we got there, here's a little old caravan and a little tin shack about as big as a four wheel drive, and that mm. was our home. Yeah. And uh, we had a little mesh gate to keep the crocs and the wild pigs out. Mm. So I was terrified the whole time I was there. How they are with 
crocodiles and things like John, uh, how we are with horses, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, Your brother-in-law found a solution to the wild pigs and the crocodiles by uh, stocking up on barramundi heads and entrails uh, and put them some distance away from the hut, and that tended to keep the crocs and the pigs away. But you had one other terrible problem, enormous swarms of mosquitoes. They were as big as tractors and mosquitoes up there, John. <laughs> they just... Well, if you lay, they had them. They, had, they hooked up a mosquito net, and and if you just lay close to the to the mosquito net, they'd bite you through the mosquito net. Mm. And uh, yeah, no, it was certainly a different a different life what I was used to. But I thought I was working hard. Mm. Horse training was a walk in the park compared to what these people do. I know you've got great admiration for the work ethic of the people who fish the rivers of the remote Gulf country. Uh, you were telling me that when the barramundi are really running, they use dinghies to tow the nets and they stay out until the job's done. They don't even think of lunch till two or three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, look, um, that's that's when breakfast is at mm. three o'clock in the afternoon, not lunch. Mm. Um, they 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 catch all the barrow, they put them in brine water, and then they fill it, and, and and then they go and check the nets. And you know, they wouldn't have breakfast till two or three o'clock in the afternoon. It's just incredible mm. how hard they work. Mm. When they achieve their quota of barramundi fillets, they load them onto a twelve-meter-long boat, which has freezer compartments below and they head off on a three-hour trip to what they call the Oracoon Mission, which is about 100 kilometres from Weeper. Now, this must be where the agents are waiting to pick up the barramundi and get them onto flights to the capital yeah. cities. Yeah, they, they, they get about 4,000 4, kilos of uh, barra fillets, in the, and then they head off in their boats, and that's where the barges meet them there. And I think they go back around to Cairns and then fly out of there. So, um, and then they do it all over again. Um, it, it's seasonal now. I think from the first of November to first of February, you're not allowed to catch barrow. So they they get a bit of a break, but they they certainly enlighten me. And and you know, I was sort of checking nets, and and they were keeping their eyes out for these orange eyes popping up crocodiles and mm. something that brushed me on the leg and I'd fly back into the boat. Yeah, no, look, I was, they work hard, but I must admit I was frightened. <laughs> well, after many weeks of total isolation, you were very pleased to get back to the horses. For sure, John, and we, we come out, we couldn't get out of um, the, you, you know, you, you'd ring up and the only a six-seater plane out of Edward River, I think. Mission was uh, Edward River there, mm. I think, um, we ended up, oh, Vera come out in a two-seater copy plane and I come out and, um, you know, a six-seater plane um, and uh, I kissed the ground at uh, the Cairns Airport when I got off the plane and went straight and had Kentucky Fried Chicken because there's <laughs> no such thing like that up there in the Gulf. Yeah. Kelly, great part of uh, your life, a great adventure. Well, when you finally made the move to Brisbane, where did you set up initially? Um, we set up at um, Nigel Lander's old stables, pretty old stables in Hendra. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, we had about, oh, we brought about 12 horses with us mm -hmm. and they all, they all um, raced really well. 
Miss Cover Girl was a lovely filly for you. She won eight races. She ran nine placings. She won almost $900,000 in prize money. You brought her to Sydney where she won the Group 3 PJ Bell and she won the Group 1 Tats Tiara in Brisbane. The day she won the Tiara, you had to watch the race on a television monitor at Callaghan Park, Rockhampton, where you had a horse called Ruling Force in the Rockhampton Cup. What a day that was. It certainly was, uh, John. It was, um, it was great. You know, I'd sort of committed to go. I went to a luncheon the day before and, and my, mate, my mate Peter Moody was going to be there, so I'd arranged to meet him and um, to, to win the um, Group 1 in um, Brisbane and to win the Rocky Cup. It was a real buzz. And ruling force was handy too, apart from that Rockhampton Cup. Yeah, he'd come over from Western Australia and, um, yeah, I think I won it seven or eight races with him. So he was yeah, he really good to us. You mentioned Nova Star earlier. What a good mare. She won seven, 886,000. She won a Queensland Guineas and a QTC Cup. I think Michael Rod rode her in both of those. She won a silk stocking and she also won uh, the Tats Tiara, but in her day it was called the Winter Stakes. Yeah, good mate of mine, uh, Staff Katsidis, rode her in that race. God bless him. And uh, that was my first Group 1 winner. Yeah, Starthy Katsidis rode a lot for you. You had a lot of luck with him. Yeah, no, he was uh, probably one of the most talented jockeys I've seen, so um, mm. very sad to see uh, the loss of uh, Starthy. But, um, you know, before the race I was pretty nervous, but he wasn't. He thought it would win, and, um, and, and, it, and Julie did. He had a great temperament, Starthy Katsidis, didn't he? Incredible. Nothing flustered yeah. him. Yeah. Um, you know, that group one was like a, a maiden to him, you know. Mm. Nothing flustered him. Now, Kelly, is a man called Talbot Heatley still alive? If he is, he must be close to 95 years old. He still is, and I'm very proud to say I still train for him. Um, yeah. Yeah, we had a um, – I rode for him when I was a kid, mm. Um and uh, then he just taught to him the other day, Talbot. He still, um, I've still got horses for him, Billy called Joymaker. And um, yeah, not very proud that uh, I, I still train for Talbot. Yeah. You, you get to talk to him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not the email type. Mm. Uh, so I've got a ring. So um, yeah, no, I certainly do. You're now based in that. On-course barn at Eagle Farm, how many in work currently? Um, we average about 38, but there's 44 boxes there, I think. So we work about 38 a morning, mm. um, and they're, they're really good set up. Now, tell me about the training facilities there, Kel. What is made available to you? Uh, well, we're, there's about 440 boxes in the middle of Eagle Farm racetrack. Um, swimming pools, just not far, 100 metres away. Um, yeah, look, I, it, it's great access to everything. We've got good training tracks. Our Eagle Farm um, course crop is back on, back on track, which was out of play for a long, long time. That caused a lot of grief, but everything settled down now. And, you know, of course, we've got Queensland, we've got the great weather. Yeah. It was a thrill for all Brisbane trainers when Eagle Farm opened its doors again recently. I mean, it was a genuine thrill. Oh, for sure. I mean, I was one of the sceptics, you know, after so long. We'd been doing 
you know, you know midweek races were at Bow Desert, you know, all over the place. So to get poor old Dooman done a ter- terrific job, but um, it was uh, getting to be horses for courses um, and to have a, another avenue open again, you know, she's sort of always been regarded as a, you know, the queen of uh, Queensland Racing Eagle Farm. So to get it back open and and the surface good and they can win from everywhere, no, it's great. There was 10 races there yesterday. Poor old Dooman was certainly feeling the pinch towards the end over that last six months or so. But as you said, what a job uh, Doombin did during that very crucial period. I, it, it used to blow me away how they could get it to go every, you know, we were racing some Wednesdays, Saturdays, and, you know, just incredible mm. um, what they did with it, and we'd have been buggered without it. Now, what are the jockeys saying about the refurbished Eagle Farm track? You talk to jockeys every morning at the track. What's the general feeling? All sides could. No one wins. If no one's winning, you know something's good in this business. Yeah. So um, uh, none of them are winning, and um, they seem to be able to win anywhere on the fence back. So no winning yet. No no bias, <coughs> and um, it's going good. Now talking about jockeys, you've had success with many high-profile riders over the years, but I've always had the feeling that your all-time favourite was Mick Dittman. Ah, uh, you'd be correct there. He's um, what a star he was. He was just fearless. <clears throat> but um, you know, I love Mickey, and uh, I still get on very well with him. He was an yeah. unflappable character too, wasn't he? Much like Starthy Catsitis. Unbelievable, just and and you know, he could butcher one for you, and the owners would be blowing up coming down the stand. But the time you got from the stand down to see Mick after the race. He would just captivate those people, and they would be begging to put him on again next time. He was, was just incredible, incredible at turning things around. He's he's a master. Your other favourites, Kel, amongst the jockeys that um, you've been using since you settled in Brisbane. Look. Darren Beeman struck me as an unbelievable jockey when he was riding. He rode a horse for me. And he, I think he was on the favourite in the Stradbroke the next race, and I didn't really know Darren, and he rode this horse before me. And after the race, it look, it ran about fifth or sixth or something, and, and I couldn't believe the detail and the time that he took to tell me every mortal thing. It seemed like it went on for half an hour, but I'm sure it was only a minute or two, but... He just took the time, and, and I was just a sort of a nobody. And here's this superstar of racing, Darren Beeman, telling me step by step what I should do. He thought he held his breath, thought he did this, did he did that. And um, I took what he did, what he said, and the horse came out and won its next start. I can't remember what it was, but mm. little things like that, that, that's what make these blokes incredible. Damien Oliver, how strong he was. Yeah, there's some great jockeys, Craig Williams, and then you've got you know a lot of Queensland jockeys, but mm. probably Mick Dippman, um, he, he's he's probably my favourite. Now, what's the family involvement currently? Vera still riding work? Uh, no, she's yeah. a full-time looking job, looking after my daughter. Yes, um, you know, just sports and um, school work. 
Uh, my daughter Jody, she works just of an afternoon because she's I've got two grandsons, Kobe and Byron. They're thirteen and ten, and my other daughter helps doing the books. So they're all involved. Now I hear on the grapevine that you've got a couple of strange quirks. Oh, I thought you were going to say again that my wife was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll let her make that announcement. Okay. Now, one of your strange quirks is you can't stand a picture hanging off centre on the wall. Oh no! Drives yeah. you crazy. Oh yeah, I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit strange. That that would drive me off my head. Even when I walk into somewhere strange, even at the races and the photos crooked, I've either got to walk out or go and straighten it. And I can't stand mats being crooked. I don't know what that is. No, a mat or a rug sitting skew oh, whiff on the floor oh, no, also no. sends you off your head. That drive me nuts, that lot it does. And, and little things, I've got to stand at the same spot on each racetrack. And, um, yeah, a few little quirks, John. <laughs> You've also been quoted as saying that it's just as well you're pretty good at training racehorses because you're hopeless at anything else. I hope my wife's not listening, but I cannot do anything, John. <laughs> I'm the most useless person. Um, if my wife sees me you're trying to fix something on that, she sort of she comes and takes any tools off me and that. No, I'm I'm useless. I I can't do anything. Can't cook, can't iron, can't make bed. My wife spoils me rotten. Well, you can certainly train a racehorse. And you're currently having one of your best seasons ever with more than 30 Metropolitan winners and almost 50 on all tracks. Kel, it's been a delight catching up. Good to see you at Toowoomba the other day. What a good meeting, the Wheatwood meeting. That's the first one I've attended. Yeah, no, always a good meeting. They run a good show, great people. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it too, John. Okay, mate, thanks for your time on the podcast. Great to catch up. And uh, I hope you've got no mosquitoes buzzing around the place. Thanks, Johnny. Pleasure. The focus of thoroughbred breeders will now centre on the English Chairman's Sale and the Australian Broodmare and Weanling Sale to be held at Riverside from May the 2nd. A magnificent collection of top-class mares will be offered. Group 1 winner Aloysia, dual Group 1 winners for Candy in full to American Pharaoh. Santa Ana Lane's Dam, Fast Fleet, in full to Zoostar. Inca Lagoon, Dam of Hong Kong champion I Victory, in full to Sebring. Group 2 winning mare, Snitty Kitty. Norzita, champion three-year-old filly of her generation, in full to Schnitzel. Pasadena Girl, Savabeel's only Group 1 winning two-year-old filly, in full to Sebring. Fiesta's Dam, Now Now, in full to Piero. Noondi, the dam of Booker, in full to Ritten Tycoon. Dash Off, the dam of Sprite, in full to I Am Invincible. Apology not accepted, the only mare in full to Medagliadoro to be offered this year. So Serene, a winning Exceed and Excel mare, in full to Sebring. Netoya, a daughter of Sebring, being offered as a racing and breeding prospect. 53 lots and a few wild cards will be offered at the boutique sale commencing at 6.30 Friday, May 3rd at Riverside Stables. <laughs>